But I do believe it's an important message for us. And I'm going to read, first of all. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you every week, get your Bibles out and follow along. If you're more modern and fancy than that, and you've got your Bible app on your phone, get that on. And look at that as I speak, or even before I finish speaking, Jill and Sheldon have got it up on the screen. So it's just a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20. And this is what it says. It says, But... If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ We are, of all people, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. Father, as we look at your word, we trust, as it says, that it is living and alive. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. Father, I pray that the words that come from my mouth would not be delivered by me and my flesh, but by you and your spirit. Lord, that you would speak directly to us. And Father, that it would make us that little bit different, change us that little bit more, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your truth. And we ask you to be with us now as we look at it this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So how many of you were worried then before I got to verse 20? Because it's not a very positive outlook, is it, until you get to verse 20? But there's those words. Those words in verse 20 that say, but God. And we've spoken about that before. And I want you to look at this passage, and we're going to look at it very quickly. And Paul talks about these things, and he says, if Christ has not been raised, there are some things that Paul says would be a shambles if Christ was not raised from the dead. And then that verse 20, that verse 20 reverses the whole paragraph. Because he says, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. So we're going to look at what those six things are. Firstly, in verse 14, 
If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain, it says. But listen, Christ has been raised from the dead, so our preaching is not in vain. Verse 14 also says, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. But Christ has been raised from the dead, so your faith isn't in vain. Verse 15 says that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are found to be misrepresenting God. Literally, we are false witnesses. But Christ has been raised from the dead. So we're not false witnesses about the work of God. Verse 17 says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. And worse than that, you're still in your sins. But glory to God, the good news is that Christ was and is raised from the dead. And we're no longer in our sins. Verse 18 says that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But since Christ has been raised from the dead, the dead in Christ have not perished at all, but have everlasting life. And verse 19 says, if Christ has not been raised, then we, those who proclaim Christ, who belong to Christ, it says that we of all men are to be most pitied. But Christ has been raised from the dead, so we are not to be pitied at all. I'm going to take those things that we've just looked at and I want you to look at how they're put across by Paul and they're put across in a negative way. He says preaching not in vain, faith not in vain but I'm going to flip them and we're going to look at them this morning from a positive sense and we're going to see what God has really done for us in raising Jesus from the dead. And it puts all those negatives into positives. Hopefully, you'll see what I mean as we look at it. Number one, and I'm not going to go in order here in terms of the verses, but I will tell you which verse I'm referring to. So number one, verse 17. Instead of saying negatively that we are still in our sins we can turn it around and say positively that because of the resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead, those who belong to him, we have been forgiven our sins. We're no longer in sin. And if you think about it, that's a basic need for us. I want you to look deep, and maybe not here this morning, but after you go away, go deep into your heart. And seek the longings, the real longings of your heart. Because the fact of the matter is, if God holds our sins against us, and we've all sinned, there's no one here that hasn't. If God holds our sins against us, then there is no hope of anything else apart from God. You see, the foundation of every single blessing that comes from God for us is that God will not hold our sins against us. Everything hangs on forgiveness. And that's why every week we share communion. And that's why every week we remember 
that Jesus went to the cross for our sake. And that's why virtually every week, well, I'm hoping every week, we stare up at that and we remember what Jesus did for us. The resurrection is connected to our forgiveness. Romans 4, verse 25, puts it like this. He was handed over to death on account of our transgressions. But it didn't finish there. He was raised on account of our justification. And what that means is that yes, by his death, he paid the penalty for our sin. And he purchased our acquittal. But he also purchased, through rising again, our justification and our forgiveness. And since the work of the cross was so complete, and the work of our justification was so conclusive and decisive, God raised Jesus from the dead to validate our forgiveness. To vindicate, to prove the righteousness of Jesus himself. And to celebrate the work of our justification. Jesus was raised from the dead. Therefore, we are forgiven our sins. Don't look at the person next to you for a minute. Everyone in this room needs forgiveness. And deep inside, when you really think about it, you long for it. You yearn for it. You don't want any of the things that you've done wrong in your life to be held against you by anyone or anything, least of all God. We long to be accepted by God. And Paul says that because Christ rose from the dead and we're no longer in our sins, in Christ we are accepted by God. And I believe that is the first and most basic of human desires. Second of all, back to verse 14. Our faith is well founded. And what I mean by that is instead of saying negatively that our faith is not in vain, we can say positively that because of the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is well founded. Or to put it more personally, because of Jesus' resurrection, there is someone that we can trust absolutely. Deep in our hearts again, we have a longing or a desire for someone that we can count on. For someone that we can put our trust in wholeheartedly without it being in vain. And we want it, this is not me saying this, we want it because that's what we were made for. God put man and woman into the Garden of Eden to glorify him by trusting him for everything that they needed. 
And that need has never, ever changed. In spite of sin, that need remains. And now that we're no longer in our sins, in Jesus, this longing is also satisfied by the resurrection. The longing to be able to trust in someone, absolutely. The death of Jesus proves his love for us. But the resurrection proves his power over the enemy and over life itself. And so there is someone we can trust on, absolutely. Jesus is alive and is to be trusted. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The third one, what the apostles preach and what we preach is true. Verse 15, it talks negatively about the apostles being false witnesses about the work of God. But because of the resurrection, it says that we can preach what is true. The apostles preach what is true and we can preach what is true. If you look at the world today, the world today tells us that there is no absolute truth. That everything's a grey area. But there is something that's true all of the time, everywhere, from the beginning of time to the end of time. There is absolute truth and it's found in Jesus. Jesus himself came into the world and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He didn't come and say, I am the way, one of the truths or part of the truth or some of the truth. He said, I am the truth. And he rose from the dead to justify and to prove his claim. You see, Jesus has the right to tell us what is absolutely true because his resurrection proved him to be absolutely true. Fourth, from verse 19. In fact, verse 19 has the fourth and the fifth point I was going to make. Instead of saying negatively that we're not to be pitied, we can say positively that we are to be envied. You see, if Christ is not raised, then living for him and doing what he says and following his will is a great delusion. But since he has been raised, and since he is alive, and since he does reign as king forever, all of our obedience, all of our love, all of our self-denial is worthwhile and even enviable. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 puts it like this. This slight momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So this short time in which we are commanded to be obedient, to love, to deny ourselves, to put others before us, to love God above all else, this short time in which we're to do this is working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If that, if that is not to be envied, I don't know what is. In every one of us, in every one of us, 
there is some kind of desire or longing that our lives will be well spent. That they won't be a waste of time. That they will count for something. God knows this. Paul knew this. And at the end of this chapter, there's 58 verses in this chapter, by the way. You're glad I didn't read all of them. At the end of this chapter, in verse 58, this is what he says. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. It's worthwhile. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. And everything done in His name, by His strength, and for His glory, is enviable. It's significant. It's valuable. And guess what? It lasts forever. It doesn't waste away and wither like anything else that we do on this world that's not for God. It lasts. The last point that I wanted to make was from verse 18. We have this longing. People are searching for it all the time. You see films made about it and books written about it. The human nature longs for everlasting life. Life into eternity. We have this longing that we'll live forever, but not just live forever in misery and struggle, that we'll live forever in joy. Paul says in verse 18 that because Christ is raised from the dead, those who have fallen asleep in him, those who have died in faith, have not perished. Putting it positively, if they're not perished, what are they? They're alive. They will live forever. That's me and you that belong to Jesus. We will live forever. We will live just the way that Christ lives. I'm going to let you into a secret. The best news in all the world, the greatest news, is that God and His Son Jesus are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And to make that true, God raised His Son Jesus from the dead to reign forever. In raising Him from the dead, He gave us forgiveness and glorified Jesus as the all-sufficient forgiver. In raising Him from the dead, He gave us a friend that we can count on. Absolutely. And He glorified Jesus as utterly reliable. In raising Jesus from the dead, He gave us guidance and absolute truth, unchanging truth. And glorified Jesus as absolute foundation for truth and righteousness. In raising Him from the dead, He gave us a life that is enviable, that is to be desired, a life that is not in vain. And He glorified Jesus as the source 
and goal of all things. In raising Jesus from the dead, He gave us an everlasting joy that will not be ended by death. And He glorified Jesus as the author of life, the victor over death, and the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so really I'm going to finish now, but my prayer, my prayer for us this morning is that we would lift up our hearts, that we would say with the choirs on earth and in heaven, these words from the book of Revelation, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain and have redeemed us to God by His blood to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. Amen. Lord, we thank You once more that we can be found here. Lord, we thank You that You were indeed raised from the dead. Lord, that you went to that cross, you paid the price for our sin, and yet you were raised from the dead, Father, that we would all be glorified, that we would all receive your righteousness. Father, that we, in trusting in you, you would clothe us with your purity. You showed us, Lord, the truth. Sin could not hold you, and nor could death. Lord Jesus, thank you that when we trust in you, it does not hold us either. We thank you for the words. We thank you for your promises. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us even now. Lord, we pray that as we go from here this morning, you would bless us, you would keep us safe. Lord, that our, your love would reflect through our lives, that others would see the joy that we have in Jesus. And Lord, your glory would shine through us. Be with us this week and bring us back when we meet again. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.